Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Happy Friday, everybody. Come on in. It's the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings from Studio B on the campus. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Salerson's alongside today. We're ready to wrap up a week's worth of shows and... uh, Take our last look at Saints and Cowboys this weekend. Should be a good, good, good podcast for you today. We've got a great guest lineup, which includes Chuck Cooperstein from Dallas, Judy Batista from the NFL Network, and Saints defensive back Kenny Vaccaro. Always a great visit with Kenny. We caught up with him in the locker room yesterday, and he is a featured guest on today's show. Well, what a night last night. If you uh, couldn't find something to watch, you had a real problem. Now, I know a lot of you may have watched the whole Grey's Anatomy scandal season premiere type stuff like... The ladies in my house did, but if you're like me and it's uh, sports on your brain, then you had two college football games uh, featuring ranked teams, and you had an NFL game to kick off the week, which kind of proved to be a stinker. And then, of course, we had the baseball moment of moments this season as Derek Jeter wrapped up his career at Yankee Stadium. Uh, It almost seemed too scripted, too surreal for it to even be real, but it was real, and it was it was unbelievable. Um, you know, I think Ted Williams hit a home run in his last at bat. I know Stan Musial did. Uh, this comes pretty darn close. But here's the thing. By the way, I enjoyed every bit of it. I thought it was fantastic. Whether you like Derek Jeter or the Yankees or any of that or not, you can't help but, you know, appreciate the moment. But I'm trying to think now when – when was it that Derek Jeter said, this will be my last season? Because if it was before the Major League Baseball schedule came out for this season, boo on Major League Baseball for not having the Yankees finish their regular season at home. As great as last night was, what a climactic moment. But now you got to go to Boston, and I love the fact that he says, I'm not going to play shortstop. My last you know, day at shortstop is in Yankee Stadium. But he's going to maybe DH, maybe not play tonight. You know, his last at-bat period will hardly be able to live up to what we saw last night. Uh, so that's interesting. So anyway, Stan Musial, a hero of mine, hit a home run in his last at-bat. The Ted Williams story, we know that. Derek Jeter adds to his legacy with 
that performance last night. Back to that football game, by the way. Are you kidding me? We haven't had a good Thursday night game yet, have we? I don't know. 45-14 to 14 was the final score. And while Eli Manning had an unbelievable night with four touchdown passes and ran for another, Kirk Cousins on the opposite end of the spectrum last night with all those picks in the third quarter. Um, and Washington's got bigger issues than just the quarterback. We'll talk more about that with Judy Batista in just a moment. But uh, the NFL weekend is underway. So with that being said, and last night kind of in the rearview mirror, We'll look forward to this weekend and put a wrap on our preparations for Saints-Cowboys here today. And I'll have a note about tickets for the Tampa Bay game before we get out of here on this Friday. And then Daniel has some news, I think, that he's passing along to me this morning about roof open or roof not for Sunday night in Dallas, if you care. We'll talk about that before we wrap up today's show. Kenny Vaccaro, Chuck Cooperstein, and here next, Judy Batista from the NFL Network. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Well, as we talked about in the first segment, last night's football game was kind of a stinker as the, uh, the Giants walked all over the Redskins 45-14. to The NFL weekend is underway, and we'll start there as we welcome in Judy Batista back here on the Black and Blue Report. Judy, of course, from NFL.com, the NFL Network. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, although I'm uh, starting to wonder if the league is disappointed on how Thursday nights have gone here in the NFL over the last couple of weeks. Kind of a stinker again last night. It was, you know, last night was not what I expected at all. I thought that was going to be a much, much closer game than it was. You know, I think we know that the Thursday night games, um, you know, sometimes fall flat because teams don't have, you know, such a short turnaround time. Teams don't have time to get healthy and prepare. What, what, what I think, you know, what they did with the schedule was to create at least the division game so that at least you'd have the natural rivalries. Certainly Washington and New York fits that bill, but... Uh, again, I was surprised last night was a blowout. I thought that was going to buck the trend. I think the Redskins fans were hoping that Cousins was going to save their season, and now I'm wondering if the Redskins are on the point of implosion here. Yeah, you know, they honestly, watching that game, I mean, obviously Kirk Cousins had a dreadful night, but watching it, I thought, like, they've got so many problems that go beyond who the quarterback is and what state the quarterback situation is. You know, the secondary is dreadful. I mean, the defense in general is dreadful. Secondary is awful, um, and, you know. I know they have injuries, but wow! I mean, what do you, you know, you got to play. What are you going to do? Um, they've got they've got so many issues, and I don't know how they fix them. No matter who the quarterback is, I mean, even if you say, okay, well, Kirk Cousins is not the answer, so when RG three is healthy, 
he goes back in. Okay, but RG3 is still a work in progress in the offense that they want to run, so that's not an instant fix whenever he's healthy. Uh, yeah, like I said, you know, I was at the Philadelphia game that Washington played last week, and they looked much more competitive then against the Eagles. Um, I don't know what that says about the Eagles now, frankly. You know, uh, I I was stunned by how badly Washington played last night. I'm glad that you mentioned the Eagles because I'm looking at the three and O teams, and maybe I set Cincinnati aside here. But even out of the undefeateds right now through the first three weeks, I'm having a hard time finding that team that's far and away out in front of the field right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I still think the most impressive teams in the league, actually, they both have one loss, and that's Denver and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly Arizona has, has, has looked really good. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you, had to, you know, if you had to say right now who do you think is going to you know, be the Super Bowl team, would you pick any of the undefeated teams? I don't, I don't know. I mean, the Eagles have had to rally from, uh, you know, double-digit deficits in all three games. You just can't keep going like that. Now, maybe they'll sort of grow out of that. You know, maybe their offense is going to click a little bit, but they've got lots of injuries. Uh, you know, they've got lots of problems on the offensive line, so you wonder how that can hold up. You know, you just can't keep living on the edge like this. There's no doubt. Judy Batista, we see you on NFL Network and, of course, on Fridays on NFL.com. You kind of give us a little bit of a primer for the weekend. It's, you know, what is it, like your 10 things to watch, correct? Right. And with the Sunday spotlight shining on the Saints and the Cowboys this weekend, I see that as one of your 10 storylines. What are your it thoughts is. about that ball game and what that can mean early for both teams here in this season? Well, look, you know, uh, the early storyline on the Cowboys has been that the defense has maybe looked a little bit better than we all imagined. I mean, I think we all expected that this might be a historically horrific defense for the Cowboys. It's looked a little bit better, but let's be honest, they haven't faced an offense like the Saints offense can be. Um, and obviously the Saints offense hasn't looked like what we normally think the Saints offense should be either, but, you know, it's hard for me to imagine that Drew Brees, you know, I just don't think Drew Brees has gone off a cliff, so I would expect that at any moment it's going to look like the Saints offense again. Um, I, you know, I, I think that this is, you know, this is an important game for the Cowboys to see if they can stay with these better offenses, and I don't know that we have the answer to that, and I'm not confident that they can. Uh, you know, but that defense has to hold up its end of the bargain because Tony Romo's back is bulky. We know that. Um, you know, DeMarco Murray is having a, a tremendous season, uh, but can you win at the highest levels? You know, we always say this. Can you win at the highest levels running the ball like this if your quarterback, you know, it, you know, it might not be sturdy? Uh, you know, I have to think that this is a this favors the Saints this week. I'd, I'd be surprised if the Saints don't start clicking. I mean, I'd be really surprised if the Saints don't start clicking here. The defense has certainly not looked very good at all, but that offense is just too explosive to hold down forever. If I told you you could only watch one NFL game this weekend, which one would it be and why? Well, probably that one, actually. Ah, okay. <laughs> just, all right. for, for all the reasons we just talked about, although I am intrigued by uh, the Niners Eagles game as well because I, you know what the heck is happening with the Niners. I, you know, I mean, I think everybody around the country is like, wow, what, you know, this is a team that's going to be in a few championship games three straight years. What? Why do they look so out of sorts? Um, and I think we all want to see, you know, are the Eagles for real? And certainly, you know, going on the road to San Francisco it would be a good benchmark for them. 
Uh, but those those are probably the two games that you know the buy the buys have started now, and so that means there are fewer games every week, and and so there are fewer marquee games, and so those are probably the two games that I'm looking most forward to. Judy Batista here with us on the Black and Blue Report. Judy, you kind of did a little bit of a deep dive on penalty flags for the first three weeks. What did you What did you discover about how things have been called? Yeah, they've been called. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't subsided. You know, they, the the points of emphasis that you know the illegal contact, those kinds of things, defensive holding, are way up. You know, by multiples over last year. Uh, you know, if you remember during the preseason when they were being called constantly. The feeling um, around the league and from the officiating office was that players would adjust and officials would adjust, and so the numbers would come down. Um, and it may have come down off the preseason numbers. I mean, if you remember, the preseason was hard to watch. It was being stopped constantly. Um, so maybe they've adjusted to that degree that it's come down a little, but it hasn't come down to last year's numbers, that's for sure. I mean, there are some calls that are up three times over last year. So I think the you know, you can still see that there are some calls. First of all, there are some calls that I think you and I watch on television that we don't really see why that was called. But mm-hmm. more than that is, I think there's still adjusting going on. You know, the players have to adjust uh, what they're going to do. And, and I think the officials have to get more consistent in how it's going to be called. You know, one of the big complaints when you talk to coaches about officiating is not so much getting calls wrong. I think they understand that that happens occasionally. It's the lack of consistency um, from, you know, each officiating crew. You know, they want consistency in calls. That's part of the reason why Dean Blandino is now overseeing the reviews from New York to have a consistent pair of eyes on all uh, challenges. But in the meantime, these kinds of calls, um, you know, it, it, it varies from crew to crew how it gets called. And that's, I think, what drives teams crazy most of all is you just, don't know what to expect. Unfortunately, some of your duties here over the last few weeks have been covering the NFL's league office itself. Um, yeah. Are, are we going to get quiet here for a little bit, or is there more coming later today or even next week on this whole deal? Well, I mean, one of the hallmarks of this whole story is you don't know what's coming next and where it's coming from. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why uh, you've seen the league office scrambling as much as it has is that, you know, stuff is coming from TMZ and, you know, forces that, you know, they're not used to dealing with. Um, I would suspect we're probably going to get, you know, there may be dribs and drabs, but I would think that until the Mueller uh, investigation, internal investigation is complete, I would think it would be largely quiet. You know, I mean, Roger Goodell did his press conference last week. Steve Bishotti, the owner of the Ravens, did his early this week. There's not really much more for them to say unless there is some bombshell coming that, you know, nobody knows about. Um, there's not much more for them to say until the investigation is complete. That's the next big event. But keep this in mind, there's an owner's meeting coming up on October 7th uh, here in New York. That's going to be some scene, you know. I mean, those meetings are usually pretty lightly attended by the media. You know, it's the, you know, the people who cover the league regularly, maybe a dozen people um, who cover those things regularly. Well, that, not, this, not this meeting. This is going to be heavily covered. Uh, because, you know, all the owners will be there, and certainly people will want to hear what they have to say. Uh, so I would think, I would expect things to be quiet until the Mueller report or until, uh, until that league meeting, unless, like I said, there's something else coming. And honestly, there's no way to predict because it has been coming. You saw the Associated Press ran a story last night that coincided almost with kickoff, exactly, mm-hmm. uh, saying who they believe got the tape. 
uh, in the league office. So, um, honestly, I, I don't know what to expect next. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, by the way, your husband's a baseball writer, and he covered the game at Yankee Stadium last night. Um, what what kind of a mood was he in when he got home from work? What did he say? Uh, well, he's also a Giants fan, so he was pretty happy. <laughs> but he, I mean, he said, I think the same thing we all said, which is it's incredible how Derek Jeter creates these moments. You know, I mean, the season's over, his career's over, and uh, you know, he certainly hasn't had a great season. That's why he's retiring, and yet. In his final moment, uh, you know, he creates this indelible memory, and uh, he's as struck by it as as we all are. Just like how the heck does he always do this? So he got to be there for that. So I'm curious as if you've had a similar moment in person at work before yourself. Well, I covered the Super Bowl where David Tyree caught the ball against his head um, <laughs> to beat the Patriots when the Giants beat the Patriots. And the first time they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, that was pretty amazing. Um, I've covered, you know, I mean, I've covered a bunch of Super Bowls, some of which have had incredible endings like that one. I, you know, on a sad note, I also covered some of the McGuire-Sosa year when they, you know, were hitting home runs and chasing Roger Maris. And, of course, after that, that all got trashed. But in the moment, it was amazing and uh, and energizing to cover it. But, I, you know, certainly some of the Super Bowls and certainly the Giants, the first one over the Patriots, which came out of nowhere. I mean, I don't think any of us thought the Giants had a prayer of beating the Patriots. You know, they were undefeated at the time, and that ridiculous catch against David Tyree's helmet. I mean, I just I just remember turning to the person next to me and saying, you're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know? Like, I couldn't believe I was watching it. Well, between the two of you now with these stories, you probably are uh, highly sought after on the cocktail circuit around New York City now. <laughs> All of our friends are sports writers, too. Oh, no. We try to talk about anything else. Fair enough. Hey, I always appreciate when you come on, and we enjoy your work very much. I hope that we'll cross paths here at some point, Judy. Absolutely. My pleasure talking to you. All right. Judy Batista with us from the NFL Network and NFL.com. She'll be all over it this weekend again. Don't forget to catch her work not only on television but the written word as well on the website. Of course, that's a mobile and your desktop as well. All right. We'll continue on this Friday here on the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. Make sure to score your tickets early to check out the biggest matchups and see the biggest stars of the NBA. The best seats for premier games are going to go fast. Visit pelicans.com and take flight with your Pelicans today. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. Still to come on this Friday, one last check of things over in Dallas as Chuck Cooperstein will join us from Big D. He, of course, covers all things Dallas for us, whether it be Cowboys or Mavericks. He's uh, joining us here 
in just a moment. First, though, let's go inside the Saints locker room where yesterday after practice we caught up with Kenny Vaccaro. Talk about what's already happened in the first three weeks and here now what's to come this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys, especially based upon the fact that he played his college football in the state of Texas. So you've been to AT&T Stadium before then, haven't you, Kenny? Oh, yeah, definitely. As a freshman, uh, we played in Nebraska in the Big 12 Championship. One in the last second field goal. So it has a good memory for you going back to that building. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was only playing special teams then. It's a far more bigger game now. Tell me about that experience, though, I guess, being a part of the first year of that, I guess, out-of-control facility. It really, it's just the jumbotron. It's so overwhelming that you just don't watch the game, really. You just get caught looking up the whole time. But other than that, man, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to play. You see the sweets, you see the people drinking, having a great time. It's kind of like a party within the game. Having played college football in Texas and knowing how Texas football fans are, do facilities like that take away from the fan experience or enhance it, you think? Uh, I mean, all the I mean, in Texas, everything's top of the line as far as football goes. You got high school stadiums going up in Dallas. I think, what is it, Allen? I don't know. They said it holds 20, 25,000 people, so... It's no thing in Texas. <laughs> but some stadiums, as you know, even in the state of Texas, enhance the fans' experience, or at least as far as noise, fan engagement, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then, much like, let's say, Toyota Center, where the Houston Rockets play and all that, there's so many bells and whistles, so many distractions, it's sometimes hard for fans to zero in on what's really there to be yeah, watched. I think sometimes they're putting clubs, they're putting all these bars on every level of the, uh, of the stadium, so sometimes it takes away from the game and people just end up partying. Do you think, though, you mentioned as a player, and you were playing special teams at the time, um, that it's distracting to players as well? No, they don't really pay attention to it. Honestly, when I'm on that field, I don't even know. I don't even look up in the stands. So really, there hasn't been any talk about, hey guys, we make sure we're not oh, watching no, the game it's upstairs. Not like that. When you're playing the game, you got to be so locked in on every play that it's not. It's not a factor. You had your first taste of NFL primetime football last year. What did you take away from those experiences? Panthers. Panthers was a primetime game. Dallas last year was a primetime game. What did they did they feel different to you? A little bit. I mean, but but not really. But at the end of the day, when going into the game, you know everybody's watching. All your boys around the league. You understand that you you become a household name on Sunday night football, not just a local guy. I think you want to impress all your peers. Does the time of day make a difference? And I'm talking about I guess maybe just your game day routine. Yeah, definitely. When it's a night game, you got I mean you're sitting out, sitting around in the hotel room three, four hours before you even leave for the stadium. When it's a morning game, you gotta get going quick. So Do you have a preference? Uh, probably nighttime games. Yeah. I've I played better in all night game games. Seems like it even at Texas you guys probably played more prime time oh, games yeah, than always. you did in the heat of the day in Austin. And that's probably what it is yeah. too. We played so many games prime time at Texas. They don't do as much right now, but <laughs> But when I was there, coming off that national championship run, we definitely played a lot of primetime games. That's how my body was accustomed to doing. Tell me about Des Bryant. I mean, I think I think I know what most other fans know about him, but help me see it from your angle. I mean, he's just a really, really passionate guy. I think a lot of um, from the fans' angle, you see him yelling at guys, doing this and that. But I just really think he really loves football. You can tell when he gets the ball in his hands, not necessarily the catch, just fighting for yards. Mm -hmm. um, He's what I call like a dog. He's a dog. He's a dog on the football field. I need to pay that man. <laughs> is that is that where he beats guys after the catch? Is that how he makes the the separation between wide receiver and elite wide receiver? I think his, where he separates from people is just winning that 50-50 ball. I think his uh, hands are outstanding. Um, but, yeah, he's just a strong physical receiver. 50-50 balls, What where do you have to find an advantage? Is it? 
Is it arm strength? Is it leaping ability? Where does where are those balls usually won? What it is? I think it's timing. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, ball skills. Some guys can't judge the ball in the air, and I just think it's play strength. Be able to fight through whatever's going on and get off the ground and go get the ball. But um, but you got to be able to locate it too. You got to have great ball skills to locate the ball at first. Speaking of that, locating the ball, how 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 late in the game or how late in the play do you finally get your eye on it? Um, you probably got two or three. You get, I mean, you get. Usually when he looks back, you look back, okay. so it's 50-50 ball. ball. So it's 50 you're both going up for it, you both see it. So then it's just you versus him. So he knows the route, but other than that, there other really isn't that, an advantage. At that point, you've already diagnosed the play. You're looking up in the air, you know it's coming at you. So it's not really you're getting tricked by any routes at that point. There's this delicate balance going on with the Cowboys right now as far as you guys from a defensive standpoint. All of a sudden now with Murray, they, they feel like they can run the ball a little bit. How do you – how do they – how do they want to keep you honest, and how do you cheat them on that deal? Well, they've been running the running the ball well for, since since we beat them last year. I think Sean pointed that out. Really? They committed to the run game after that game in the dome. They really committed to their run game. Um, they got a good run scheme, man. The way they they double up and press, and and Murray's a dynamic dynamic runner, not just in the run game but in the passing game. So uh, they're going to feed him the ball. He's one of their best players. Do they have tendencies? Are they running early on in downs and in series? Or is it, are they? Are they? You know how they say in baseball they're pitching backwards. Do they? Do they run backwards a little bit? Uh, I don't. I mean, not really. I mean, they, they're pretty balanced. They're a pretty balanced team. You can't really. You got to read your run pass keys on every down. Give me two keys and just two, and maybe that's enough <laughs> for you guys defensively. Stop the run. Yeah. You got to stop the run because that because that makes them limited. Um, that make you don't, you know what's coming. Um, and that'll that'll set up the play action. So you got to stop the run. Thanks, Kenny. No problem. Yep. All the best to Kenny and the guys this weekend as they get set to take on the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk more about the Cowboys in Dallas with Chuck Cooperstein next. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Well, Tony Romo back to work yesterday. Des Bryant got some rest and with more on the Cowboys and all things Dallas, we welcome in our old friend Chuck Cooperstein. Hey, Coop. Sean Kelly, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I was hoping that you and I would get a chance to speak this week as the Saints and the Cowboys will renew acquaintances on Sunday night at AT&T Stadium. Uh, other than Romo back to work and Brian getting his usual rest on Thursday, what should we know about the Cowboys and how they're going about this week? Well, I mean, they're very banged up in their defensive line, and that, that hasn't changed really since training camp. You know, they're hoping to get Anthony Spencer back this week. Of course, he, he missed most of last year after having microfracture surgery. And his ability to make plays is um, is something that this team really does need from its uh, front people. 
they, they just don't have a lot of great playmakers on this team. And the fact that they've actually performed somewhat admirably defensively in the first three weeks of the season, I think really does speak volumes to, uh, to Rod Marinelli and the system he's put in and the trust that the players do have in the system, you know, that, that it works. Uh, you know, Rolando McClain doesn't look like he's going to play again. It was fantastic against Tennessee in week two, pulled his groin, uh, so, and, and hasn't been able to recover. And they want to make sure that he's really right. Uh, he's been an incredible surprise, but, uh, he's also not practiced a lot either. He's one of those guys that, you know, when the lights go on and the band starts playing, as Barry Switzer used to say, you know, he, he can really deliver the goods. But, uh, you know, there's still a real question as to, I think, you know, how much does he really love football? I think he loves playing. He loves playing on game day, but they love everything else about it too. But uh, you know, we'll see if you know if this is something that's lingering or if this is something that is just you know it's just part of the deal of uh, after not having played for as long as he's played. But, and of course, uh, you've got the situation in the secondary with Morris Claiborne uh, having been benched, and uh, the real issue now being is okay, is he the third corner? Or is he the fourth corner? You know, we know that uh, Brandon Carr and Orlando Scandrick can start. Uh, Sterling Moore was an undrafted free agent out of SMU. You know, played with the team last year and, and did some decent things, and he had a really, really good week uh, against Tennessee two weeks ago. You know, played okay last week too. Meanwhile, Claiborne's been awful. And frankly, it's it's as shocking a development as as anything that we've seen in a lot of the debate in Dallas Fort Worth has been. Is Morris Claiborne the worst? top 10 draft choice in Dallas Fort Worth sports history. Uh, you know, given the price that the Cowboys trade, uh, paid to trade up to get him. And, uh, you know, he walked out of camp on a Tuesday, he got fined, he's back. But, uh, you know, how much are we actually going to see him? Um, you know, remains to be seen. I would imagine, though, you know, given how wide open the Saints like to play, I, I would imagine he would make it off the field for at least a few plays. But, uh, you know, how much, uh, you know, where he is in the, in the pecking order right now, I think is still uh, under, at least maybe the Cowboys coaches know it, but they haven't told us. Well, with a defensive assessment like that, Chuck, I don't know how this team's two and one. That's <laughs> come on, something's got to go right for this team, right? Well, uh, you know, they, they were Claiborne made an interception at the end of the game last week that kind of saved the game. I mean, they did give up thirty-one points last week. I mean, now that their offense has been fantastic especially in the sense that, that they've been uh, as balanced an offense as any team in the NFL. Balance is something that has never been associated with the Jason Garrett offense uh, you know, since he's been with the Cowboys uh, from 2007 on. He loves to pitch the ball around. But he brought in his old friend Scott Linehan, who last year pitched it around even more than he did up in Detroit uh, You know, when he had Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson. But you know, the, the combination of uh, having three first-round offensive linemen, along with uh, a, a Tony Romo who is not 100%, although he was more mobile last week than he's been, uh, but he's had two major back surgeries now in the last year, and the fact that you've got a running back that's not afraid to tote the note, uh, and all of a sudden the Cowboys have become a very balanced football team uh, that's keeping their defense you know, somewhat off the field. And that, that was going to be the only way that the Cowboys were going to have a chance to have a successful year. If the Cowboys were going to play the way they've always played, given the nature of their defense, it's just no way it was going to work. But now they've given themselves a fighting chance because they actually have sort of bought in at least through three games to, to the whole notion of ground and pound. Now, are they going to do this for 16 games? 
If they do, it'll be remarkable, and it will be the storyline of the season, regardless of what happens anywhere else uh, on the team. Uh, but it's the fact that somehow they could change their personalities dramatically uh, as, as that is, is something that is really quite remarkable. I guess one would have to point to their offensive line, and then you know the question is how durable is that? Or how sustainable right. is that? Yeah, if they're gonna, you know, can those guys hold up? And you know, you've got a, uh, the left, the left tackle is fantastic. I mean, Tyson, uh, you know, Tyron Smith is, I mean, he 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 is the goods. I mean, he really he he basically neutralized Robert Quinn last week to where Quinn was. I think he had two tackles the whole game. Was just he was nowhere to be found. Uh, you know, Travis Frederick is is a, is a very good center, and Zach Martin is still has just moved seamlessly. Uh, into the lineup at right guard, and so you know they they have a foundation to where you know you know where are your best players? You know you've got to put your players in a position to succeed, and and who are your best players? Okay, you know you can make an argument that Des Bryant is certainly one of the Cowboys' best players, but you know you you just can't you just can't win you know throwing it to Des all the time. You know the Detroit Lions can't win by throwing to Calvin Johnson all the time, even as great as he is. You've got to find other ways to get the job done, and I think that the Cowboys are figuring out that as good as Dez is, you know, let's face it. I mean, the Saints will be fools if they don't, you know, shape the coverage his way on Sunday night, and then you know you dare Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley and, and Jason Witten to, to try to beat you, but you know, there's nothing that is more, uh, I think, uh, life affirming for an offense and and more uh, deflating for a defense. Uh, then for a team to be able to line up and run it down your throat. And pretty much that's what the Cowboys have been able to do the last two weeks. And even against San Francisco in opening week, even though Murray had 118 yards, they had a really good game. They actually tried to run the ball even when they were down 21-3. So, uh, you know, they, they've had success doing this, and it'll be very surprising on Sunday night if they don't try to continue to do this. Chuck Cooperstein with us from Dallas. Hey, Chuck, Vegas seems to think this game's going to be very close. So from your perspective over there in Texas, um, what what makes this game? What that determines it on Sunday night? Well, I think the fact that no nobody has faith in Rob Ryan's defense, nor should they have any faith in Rob Ryan's defense, uh, you know, that, uh, that the Cowboys feel like they can, uh, you know, that they can be balanced and keep the ball away from Drew Brees to limit the number of possessions that the Saints will have in the game. Uh, and also, I, I do think there's a, a bit of a revenge factor because uh, you know the game in New Orleans last year was just an abomination from the Cowboys' standpoint. Uh, they had a lot of embarrassing games last year, but uh, you know, in a game where you have uh, only nine first downs uh, and you, you lose 49-17 to 17 and, you're, and you're just simply not competitive, and I think what the, the – uh, the Cowboys, the Saints ran, I forget the number. There was, there was something absurd that went on in that game anyway. Some ridiculous statistic that like <laughs> never, ever, ever happened. Uh, you know, the fact that that happened the way it did, uh, I think, is, is something that, you know, the Cowboys, uh, there are enough guys on that team that remember that. They want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, uh, a record for first downs and a franchise record for total yards offense. I mean, it was pretty uh, pretty ugly, but Sean Payton has already stressed this week that these are two completely different teams from a year ago, and I know that some of that is messaging to his team, but uh, there is some valid point there. Chuck, you're also, of course, uh, as our listeners know, the uh, radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks, and with training camp starting 
on Monday and Tuesday around the league. Uh, perhaps you'll be willing to share with us the biggest storyline for that Dallas Mavericks outfit. Well, the biggest storyline around here is that Tyson Chandler is back, yeah. and everybody is just beside themselves with happiness. And, you know, the Mavericks had a, a news conference on Tuesday, you know, a Meet the New Players news conference that's open to the public as well. And about, I don't know, 700 or 1,000 people came out at lunchtime, you know, to, to see this event. And, you know, when Tyson Chandler walked onto the podium, I mean, people just went nuts. And people have been going nuts really since June 28th when the Mavericks made the trade. Uh, and Mark Cuban even went so far as to say that uh, I learned from my mistakes. And so for the first time admitting since he allowed Chandler to leave that it was a mistake to let him leave in the first place. Uh, he, he, he solves a lot of problems. He doesn't solve every problem for them, but he certainly solves a lot of problems as it relates to defense, uh, rim protection, uh, and, and accountability uh, for errors, I and mean, he's he's just a fantastic leader, and and the Mavericks are just much better for that. Obviously, they got Chandler Parsons from Houston. Uh, they really believe that he's he's going to add a certain versatility uh, to their offensive game that that Sean Marion just couldn't do anymore. I mean, when you have a guy that has 16 points, five rebounds, four assists, shoots 45 percent, and uh, you know the only other people in the NBA who are doing that are named LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kevin Love. I mean, you're, you're in pretty good company when that happens. So, I mean, but those those were the two huge signings. But, you know, getting Jameer Nelson in, uh, getting Ray Felton, you know, in a in a year where it's a real prove-it year for him. I mean, I think, Sean, there's probably as much excitement around the Mavericks right now on the heels of how they finished last year. Uh, you know, the drama just to make the playoffs and then the series against San Antonio, and then you throw everything that's happened in the offseason. As much excitement around the Mavericks as there's been probably in a decade. And fans just can't wait for this season to start. Well, there you go. I think everything's going to be just as exciting around the Southwest and a better Western Conference all the way around. We'll know more by the time we get to the end of October. And, of course, we'll see Chuck and the Mavericks in Shreveport during the preseason as well. Chuck, as always, appreciate the insight, not only on the Mavericks, but, of course, the Cowboys, too, in light of the football game this weekend. Um, I hope to see you very soon, and stay safe, my friend. Thanks, Sean. Take care. You bet. Chuck Cooperstein with us from Dallas, Texas, on all things Dallas sports. We'll return to the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. He's Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back in. Final segment here on the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Um, Daniel Salerson says he has sources over in Big D um, reporting 
this isn't quite breaking news, and it's hardly news that I think matters a whole lot. But there are sources saying that the roof will be open at AT&T Stadium on Sunday night when the Cowboys host the New Orleans Saints. So technically, it'll be an outdoor game on Sunday night. Anyway, just thought you'd. You may want to know. You probably want to know that there are tickets available for the October 5th home game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have turned in uh, quite a bit of their allotment of tickets for that football game. And if you hurry, you can get in on that football game when the Saints come back home. And that is a division game, of course. And it is a day game. And so uh, you'll want to go to the usual Saints ticket outlets if you want to snatch up those few tickets remaining for the uh, Sunday, October 5th game against Tampa Bay. With that being said, time to say goodbye on this Friday. Thanks again to Judy Batista from NFL Network, Chuck Cooperstein, and, of course, Saints safety, Kenny Vaccaro. Thanks to you as well. We had a great week. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you this weekend, of course, across the uh, digital media platforms for the New Orleans Saints. Social media is yours as well. Speaking of, the Twitter handle for this program, as always, is at Black Blue Report. I'll see you this weekend at Sean Kelly Live. And uh, we hope that you enjoy it. Let's talk about a 2-2 two and two football team when we come back on Monday. And let's dive into the NBA. Pelicans Media Day on Monday as well. General Manager Del Demps is scheduled to join us on the Black and Blue Report for his uh, start of camp visit. That's on Monday. We'll see you then. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.